Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. So before we jump into Jonah uh, chapter 3 this morning, I want us to pause. And I want to, to remind you, I want you to remember this truth about Jonah. As, as Jonah is truly like so many of us. I want you to, to know this and be reminded of this. Jonah knew the word of God. Jonah knew the word of God. We were in Jonah chapter 2 last week. And in Jonah chapter 2, Jonah quotes the Psalms several times. He quotes Lamentations. And he quotes, it's either Jeremiah or Isaiah within chapter 2. So Jonah knew the word of God. And, and with all this knowing, Jonah still attempted to flee from the presence of God. With all this knowing, he still attempted to flee from the very presence of the Almighty God. He knew God's word in his head, yet he really had little regard for God's presence. So, knowing God's word will not make you have a heart for God. Knowing God's word will not make you have a heart for God, and that's just the truth. Saul was like this. Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, he had a zeal for God, but denied his very power. He, he believed that he could kill and, and imprison Christians and still be in God's will, that it was, it was God's will to do such things. And remember, he was a Pharisee, right? And 99% of the Pharisees were exactly like this. They were the same way. They, they knew God's word. They had the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, memorized. They, they, they knew the word. And they, they loved the law. I, 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 I pray that you can hear me this morning. They, they loved, the Pharisees, they loved the law. Yet they lacked love, mercy, and compassion. It reminds me of some of our politics. There, there are some Christians that, that, that only care about being doctrinally perfect. There are some Christians that only care about being doctrinally perfect, and they could care less about who they sin against in the process. Now understand, I'm not talking about compromise, right? I'm not talking about compromising God's word. We, we know the truth, we love the truth, we proclaim the truth. Yet sometimes we can present the truth with hatred and with anger and actually fall into sin while we are presenting the truth that we believe in. God is calling us to present the truth in love. Amen? We're called to present the truth in love. So, so truth and, and love, truth and love are, are married, right? And they are, they are one. Truth and love. And when they become one, their new name is 
true love. True love. And we need the Word and we need the Spirit together. And the Word and the Spirit together produce true love. The truth spoken in love. Amen. So last week I told you that the story of, of Jonah has come under a lot of scrutiny. From, from unbelievers to Bible commentators to, to scholars. And for some people, this, this may be the, the hardest book of the Bible to accept, the book of Jonah. And last week I told you that this week I present to you some of the questions that arise from the book of Jonah. So, here goes. How was it possible that a true prophet should disobey a direct divine command? Is it likely that God should send a storm simply in order to pursue one single person and cause many others to suffer too in the process? And do such things happen in our world today? Is it not strange that the lot should fall upon Jonah at once without any manipulation from the sailors? How could the sea immediately become calm directly after Jonah was thrown overboard? How did a great fish swallow a grown man? How did Jonah remain alive in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights and present a beautiful psalm of thanksgiving during the process? These things for, for some exceed the limits of credibility. Not to mention the point that the fish did not simply eject Jonah, but threw him up on dry land and only after three days. Again, what, what language did Jonah speak in Nineveh? How did the people understand him? And chapter 3, spoiler alert, how did 100% of the people repent at the preaching of Jonah? Chapter 4, spoiler alert, we have to mention the extraordinarily speedy growth of a plant. So, for these reasons, and, and perhaps more, many people have doubted the authenticity of the book of Jonah. They've, they've doubted it because of all of, the, all of the questions that arise from this book. Now, most of the questions that I just read to you actually came from a, a Bible commentator. Those questions came from a Bible commentator. And he was stating that the book of Jonah couldn't possibly be literal because of the things that I just read to you. That's what he, he stated. Now listen to me very carefully. Pay attention. The problem that people have is not with Jonah chapter 1 or with Jonah chap chapter 2 or, or chapter 3 or, or 4. The problem that people have is with Genesis chapter 1. The problem that people have is with Genesis chapter 1. We just went through this chapter in detail a few Wednesdays ago with our family for family time. But I've, I've never found a, a person who believes in Genesis chapter 1, a literal seven-day creation that doubts other miracles of the Bible. Why not? Because we believe in God. We believe in God, the creator, 
who, who spoke the world into existence with his words. He, he, he spoke the universe into existence with his very words. That's the, that's the God that we believe in, the, the God of Genesis chapter 1. And we believe that he created the world and everything in it in, in six days and rested on the seventh. And we believe that it was easy for him. We believe it was easy for our God. And that if he wanted to, he could have created the world in, in seven seconds. That's the God who, who we believe in. But every single person who questions Genesis chapter 1 questions more and more and more and more and more passages of Scripture. Because you somehow think that God is like you. Because you think God somehow is, is just like you. So, the next time you have a conversation with someone who doubts or who questions the flood or the plagues of Egypt or the parting of the Red Sea or the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night or Jonah being swallowed by a great fish or an axe head floating or Elijah being carried away in a chariot of fire to the heavens or the supernatural multiplication of the widow's oil. Just ask them this one question. What do you think about Genesis chapter 1? Because it's, it's all connected, my friends. It's all connected. They don't understand that the God that we serve is a supernatural, uncreated being. He was not created and he's not a natural being like you and I. And the person who doubts Genesis chapter 1 will often doubt the virgin birth. And if you doubt the virgin birth, then you're not even a Christian. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. The book of Jonah, of Jonah is not simply an, an allegory. This is not a, a fable by which we can just learn some, some good positive lessons. It's so much more than that. Allow me to present to you the, the, the greatest truth that Jonah was a literal man and a real literal story. In my eyes, the, the book of Jonah is one of the, the easiest books of the Bible to authenticate as literal, in my eyes. The, the authenticity of the book of Jonah comes from no greater person other than Jesus himself. Jesus refers to Jonah during his own ministry and mentions his name four times. Jesus also affirmed Jonah's ministry. Jesus attested to the genuineness of Jonah. And this is what Jesus says. Luke chapter 11, verse 29 and 30. This is what Jesus says. And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah, the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, 
so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, 39 and 40. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Amen. So the, the fact that, that Jesus speaks about Jonah and mentions what the book of Jonah speaks about immediately bears witness of its authenticity. Jesus affirmed Jonah's ministry. And he also said a, a greater than Jonah has come, which we will get to later on. So Jonah being a, a, a type and shadow of Jesus Christ it's clear from Jesus' own words that we just read in Matthew 12 and verse 40 where Jesus declares that he will be in the grave the same amount of time that Jonah was in the fish's belly. So I can, I can easily rest my case. Jesus validates this story, this man, and this mission. Amen. End of story. So can we, can we move on now? Now that we understand that, that, uh, that Jesus believes in this book and in this story and in this mission and in this man. Jonah chapter 3 is where we will be today. Jonah chapter 3. Let's read. Now, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast Herd nor flock taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented.
from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of your word in Jonah chapter 3. And Lord, we pray that you would bring your word to life in our hearts and in our minds, that we would comprehend it. This is not a, an ancient book or an ancient story, but this is relevant for each and every single person in this room. So Holy Spirit, again, may we have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Because Jonah's message was, was simple, I decided to keep my points super simple this morning. So number one, Jonah preaches. Is verses one through four. Number two, the people believe. Is verses five through nine. And number three, God forgives. Verse number 10. Point number one. Verses 1 through 4, Jonah preaches. Verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. And that should make you all smile right there because he is a God of second chances. Amen. And third and fourth and fifth and, and so on. He's a God of, of second chances. And God also, he's not, he's not afraid to repeat himself. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. That is grace, right there. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. And you know, God, God didn't force Jonah to go against his will. But he sure did make him willing to go. He sure made him willing to go. He didn't force him against his will, but he definitely made him willing to go. Now, now if Jonah was a normal prophet, right, like, like the other prophets of the Bible, then the book of Jonah would have probably been half of its length and probably read like this. Let me read it. This is what the book of Jonah could have possibly have been. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2, right? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And then we could have just been right at Jonah chapter 3 and verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. That, that could have been... The book of Jonah. <laughs> and we could have possibly eliminated two chapters from the book. And Jonah would have never gone through the, the anguish and the loss that he experienced in chapter 1 and chapter 2. You guys understand that, that Jonah didn't get a refund, right? For his, uh, his, the fare that he paid from Joppa to, to Tarshish. He got no refund for that. And you guys understand that every single thing that Jonah carried onto the boat that he lost. All of it. Anything he carried, he lost. There was, 
loss for Jonah and for everyone that was around him. Verse number two, arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message, the message that I tell you. Highlight that, the message that I tell you. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. The word that, that Jonah preached was God's word. It was God's message. And, and God always calls his people to proclaim not their own word, but his word. God always calls his people to proclaim not their own word, but to proclaim his word. And like the people of Nineveh received the word, God also has a, a word, a, a rhema, the spoken word in due season, specific to you and for you, God has a word for you. And, and Jonah did not get to choose the, the passage of scripture that he opened up before the people of Nineveh. God gave him very specific instruction and direction, and he gave him the entire message that he was to proclaim. And I want you to understand this, saints. Sometimes for, for me as a, as a preacher, as a teacher, the, the hardest part of preaching for me is, is not unveiling the text, but it's me praying and, and seeking and discerning what the will of God is for the people, for you. Sometimes that takes the longest time. Praying and seeking and, and, and asking the Lord, Lord, what is, what is the word? What is the message for the Way City Church? What is the specific word that you would like your people to hear this Sunday? And that's a very strong conviction of mine personally. I don't believe that God is calling me to just open the scriptures and preach according to whatever I feel like proclaiming. Yes, his word is, is good and it's true and it's pure and it's perfect regardless. But it's also very vast. Proverbs 15 and verse 23 says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season how good it is. Amen. A word spoken in due season, how, how pleasant it is. Verse 3, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Not his own word, but according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in Extent, verse 4, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. So some believe that this is the, the end of the first day's walk, which is about 10 miles into the city. We spoke before and we said that the greater Nineveh area was about 30 miles long. So a three days uh, journey is about 10 miles a day. So some believe this is he's, he's, uh, his first day's walk into the city. So he's 10 miles in, about one-third way into the city, and it's there that he cries out and proclaims this message. One-third in, and he cries out. Then he cried out and said, Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The greatest eight-word sermon in all of history. 
the greatest eight-word sermon in all of history. Yet, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, this was very specific. This was very specific. And this was the, the only message that land needed to hear. I want you guys to understand that. That was the only message, the rhema, the, 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 the perfect spoken word of God that those people needed to hear was that. Nothing more, nothing less. This was a, a message of judgment. It was a message of doom. There was absolutely no grace attached to this message. I want you to understand that. And this message did not come with a promise. If you then, judgment, doom, no grace, no promise. It was final, a statement. And so Jonah preaches. He's done. There is no intro, there's no stories, there's no body, just the conclusion. That's it. In 40 days, you shall be overthrown. Finished. How will the people respond to this message of doom? Point number two, verses five through nine. The people believe. Verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. What? So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them they were not offended. They did not try to kill Jonah. We see the, the very opposite that we would have expected from these wicked people. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Eight words. Just eight words. We, we sure do say a lot as, as preachers. I'll be honest with you. And I think that many times let me say this, I think that many times it is because the, the, we feel the need, we need to convince you of God's word. So we say as much as we do because, because we feel the need to convince you of God's word, that you can trust it, that you can rely on it. And oftentimes we say the same things in, in many different ways. Right, with, with a hope that something that we said from God's word, which we somehow packaged in a special way for you, that you would buy it. That you would buy it, that you would believe it, and that you would do something with it. Now, what if you just believed God's raw and unpackaged word? This is a question to you. Now, what if you just believed God's raw and unpackaged word? The way that it was written or spoken, man, you would make our work so much easier. 
so much easier. And you will be blessed. The, the people of Nineveh were probably the most corrupt, evil, and wicked people in the world during that time. But guess what? They were the easiest people to minister to. The most wicked and evil people, possibly, in the world during that time were the easiest people to minister to. Why? Because they just believed God's word. Amen, church. They just believed God's word. And I'm telling you, every preacher longs to minister to a people as open and as willing as the people of Nineveh. They were open. And they were willing. So Jonah spoke, right? Jonah's the one that spoke. Yet they believed God. Do you see it? Jonah spoke, but they believed God. That's a good prophet. Jonah spoke, but the people believed God. That is a good prophet. When a good prophet speaks, you hear not the word of the prophet, but you hear the word of God himself, as though God himself was delivering the message. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 says this, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the, to the Thessalonian church and he's saying to them, for this reason, we, we thank God without ceasing because you guys, when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as our words, not as the words of men, but as it really is in truth, the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. This was the people of Nineveh. Jonah spoke, yet they believed God. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Amen? Proclaimed a fast. We're still on verse 5 proclaimed a fast. When a person fasts, it's an act of worship unto God. It's a cry out to Him. And it's an act of crucifying the desires and the will of the flesh. And we'll get to, to fasting a little later because we're going to ask the, the church to fast this week. And put on sackcloth. From the greatest to the least of them. Now, sackcloth was a very coarse cloth. So, so not comfortable at all. There was nothing comfortable about wearing sackcloth. And it was used as a, as a symbol of great sorrow, mourning, and repentance. So these people were not just saying, I'm sorry, God. They were broken because of their sin. They were broken because of their sin. They were deeply grieved because of what they had become. 
Jonah's words from God shone a, a, a bright light on their sin, and they were able to see for the first time the true errors of their ways. And their hearts were convicted. And so they repented. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2 says this, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So the same word, the same gospel comes to different people. Some believe it, mix faith with it, and benefit from it, and others do not. This word profited this people because they believed it and they added faith to it, the people of Nineveh. Verse number six, the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. The word, then word, came. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. This revival began not at the word of the king, but at the word of the king of kings. Amen? Then word came to the king. So, so this revival began even before it came to the king. The revival has already begun. God began this revival, not the king. So everything that we just read, and now we get to verse 6, and now the king just finds out about what's going on. So this revival began before the word came to the king. So the king of Nineveh gets no glory for this, revi for this revival, none whatsoever, no glory. However, the king of Nineveh was not a hindrance to this revival, but he was a help. And we'll see that in verse 7. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. So again, this, this king was not a hindrance to this revival, but he was a help to it. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. We need more kings in our land like this. Amen. A king that will be stripped of his pride, humble himself, and bow his entire will before our God. Verse 8. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. The people of Nineveh repented. All of them. And they cried mightily, the Bible says, 
unto God. Just like God's people did all throughout the book of Judges that we spoke about last week. I mean, they, they really, fully repented. These people really repented. To the point that they were calling out the, the sins of their pets. That's how they repented. They were, they were real about this. The, the men fasted and repented. The women fasted and repented. The elderly fasted and repented. The children fasted and repented. And the animals fasted. There was a revival in the entire land. Verse number nine. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Who can tell? Highlight that. Who can tell? Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? They repented without a promise. You guys understand that? They repented without a promise. That's very significant. They repented without a promise and just with the hope of a possibility that maybe there will be a chance that God may not completely destroy us, just maybe. They repented without a promise. Wow. And finally, point number three, God forgives. Verse number 10. Then God saw their works. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. What they did worked. Repentance works. Repentance actually works. 100% of the time, repentance works. And it is not God's will that any should perish but that all men should come to repentance. God saw, the Bible says, God saw their works. God looked down and and God saw their works. God God first saw, remember in Jonah chapter 1, God first saw their wickedness. Their, Their wickedness had come up before him. 
So God first saw their wickedness in chapter 1, and now in chapter 3, God saw their works, their works of repentance. True repentance is, is always followed by works. True repentance. So it's not something that we just, that we just say, right? But, but true repentance, is always, there's always a, a turning away from. So you were focused on something before that God hated and that God condemned and your attention was fixed upon that thing. And when you repent, it's, again, it's not saying, I'm sorry, God. But when you repent, it's because you're, you're grieved at that sin. You hate that thing, and you turn away from it. It's the work of repentance. And we know that God forgives. They didn't have this promise, guys. They did this like, who can tell? No one in 2021 can say, who who can tell? We know that when we repent, if we repent, God forgives. So God first saw their wickedness, and then God saw their works of repentance. True repentance always is always followed by works. Remember Zacchaeus. And he cheated so many people and it just, it just came out of him. It just came out of him. And he just spoke it and he said, Lord, like, you know, anyone who I've wronged and, and taken from and cheated, I, I'm going to give back four times. Jesus didn't tell him to say that. That's repentance. That's what it looks like. It's a, it's a turning. I've cheated people, but now I'm going to make it right. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. The will of God. The will of God. I believe that it's not God's will, again, that any should perish. And the book of Jonah is all about that. The book of Jonah is all about that. Every single human being mentioned in the book of Jonah received salvation. Every single human being mentioned in the book of Jonah received salvation. Even during a time and a testament where salvation was only for the Jews. I hope that you can hear me this morning. The book of Jonah is a powerful book. And the book of Jonah will mess with your theology. The the book of Jonah reveals to us God's will of salvation to all men. Every single human being mentioned in this book received salvation, even during a time and a testament where salvation was for the Jew only. The book of Jonah reveals to us 
God's will of salvation to all men. In chapter 1, salvation came to the men, to all men, on the boat where Jonah was. In chapter 2, God pursued Jonah, and salvation came to him. And in chapter 3, salvation came to all men, women, and children in Nineveh. God wants to use you to speak his message so that salvation can come to all men and women that repent at the hearing of God's word. Amen? God wants to use you to speak his message. God wants to use you to speak his message. God wants to use you specifically, not the person next to you. God wants to use you to speak his message so that all men and women can come to salvation at the hearing of not your word, not your message, but his word. So I have a question for you this morning as we get ready to close here. Which Jonah are you? Which Jonah are you? Are you Jonah 1? Jonah 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Are you Jonah 1? Or are you Jonah 3? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Amen. Which Jonah are you? Are you Jonah 1 or are you Jonah 3? Selah. If you are a believer, then I'm, I'm telling you right now, as a matter of fact, you are one of these Jonas. You're one of them. And, and I want you to identify right now which one you are. If you are a believer, you are one of these Jonas. Because God is definitely speaking. The question is, are you obeying or are you running? Because God is speaking. I remember a night when I was in Bible college. And it was, it was late. I was getting ready for bed. It was, it, it, it was right around midnight. I remember. And the word of the Lord came to me. And the word of the Lord came to me and said, go to Walmart. I'm getting ready for bed. I'm not dressed for Walmart. How, how inconvenient. <laughs> You're always dressed for Walmart, huh? <laughs> but the word of the Lord came to me, and that was it. That's what, go to Walmart. So I put on Walmart clothes and went to Walmart. And um, when I went to Walmart, 
as soon as the, the uh, doors opened, um, there was a, a worker that I saw there, and he was, um, he was putting boxes together or something. And the moment that I saw him, I knew, okay, he's the one that the Lord wants me to minister to. So I walked up to him and said, hey, bro, you know, um, I, I got straight to the point. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It was, it was late, and I was tired, um, and I, I knew it was him. I got straight to the point, and I was like, hey, hey bro, is, is there anything that I can um, pray with you for? And this, this guy was, was maybe, maybe 20, and he... He was kneeling out, and he got up, and he, and he looked me in my eyes, and he said this to me. He said, I need, I need the Lord. That's what he said to me. He said, man, I, 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 I need the Lord. Shared with him the gospel, prayed with him right there and then, and he accepted Christ into his heart. That's probably the easiest person I've ever ministered to in my life. The word of the Lord came. What do you do when the word of the Lord comes to you? Do you run from it? Do you make excuses? What do you do? And this this man went to work that night and never knew that his life would be transformed forever. And he was, and he was, he was broken and he was sincere and, and, and it was, again, the easiest person I've ever ministered to in my life. There, there was no persuasion necessary. It was, it was just, it was, I, I need the Lord. Well, brother, I can, I can tell you about him. So told him about him. And he was like, I want that. In my conclusion, this is the, the greatest recorded revival, and I believe the greatest revival period in all of history. Jonah chapter 3. And God used a man who didn't even love the people that he was ministering to. But he just did it out of obedience. Just out of obedience. Reminds me of the scripture that speaks about doesn't matter how the how the gospel is preached, just as long as it's preached. You get what I'm saying? Like, like I wanna I wanna encourage you and I want your heart to be in it. Yes, absolutely. But whether your heart's in it or not, like Preach the gospel. The greatest revival in history happened by a man, Jonah, who was reluctant and didn't even love the people that he was speaking to. Because it's God. Because he gets the glory. Because it's his word. Because it's his spirit that draws men to repentance. Are you hearing me? Obedience doesn't have to make sense. You just, you just do it. Amen? You just do it. Not because Nike says so, but because God says so. Because God says so. Just do it. God desires mercy. 
100% of the people repented at the preaching of Jonah. And all of the greatest prophets in Israel had not been able to accomplish anything like what Jonah had accomplished. And this is why you heard me say earlier, they repented without a promise. Because Jesus is going to hold you and I and this generation accountable. According to his word in Luke and Matthew, let's close with what our master said. Luke chapter 11, verse 29 through 32. And while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Listen to this. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Matthew 12, 38 through 42. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. For indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. Do you understand? Can you, can you hear the scriptures? These men repented at the preaching of Jonah, which came without a promise. A greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is here. We, we know what he did. His work was, was perfect. We live on the other side of the resurrection. And we know that if we repent, that comes with a promise. That comes with the promise of salvation. So if, if an entire generation could, could repent, if generations, if an entire land could repent at the preaching of Jonah, then we are damned if we do not repent of the message of Jesus. Amen? Let's stand up, please. Bow your heads, please. Father, we thank you for 
the beauty of your word. We thank you that your word is incredible. Your word is amazing. Your word, we love it. But Father, we don't just want to be hearers of your word. We want to be doers. Father, if this word spoken today, if it doesn't move the people, your people to action, then there was no point in them being here today. So Father, I pray that every single individual in this place would be convicted. They would be convicted. In two ways, if they are a believer, that they would be about the mission. Not the Ninevite mission, but the mission that you've given to them within their community and the mission that you've given to us within Woodbridge. And Father, if they're here today and they do not know you and they are not saved, then I thank you, Lord, that just as the people believed you and repented with a, with a message of doom and of judgment, I pray that this people would know, Lord God Almighty, that you love them, that you, Father, sent your Son to die on their behalf because of their sin. And I pray that you would be able this morning to see and acknowledge your sin. And if you can this morning, and you acknowledge that you deserve to pay some kind of price for your sin, I want you to know that price is eternal death. But Jesus Christ paid the price for you, and he says, if you believe in me, if you believe in me, if you trust in me, I will save you. I will take your sin. I have taken your sin upon myself, and all you have to do is receive it. So if you're in this place, and you can see today from the word and from the scriptures that, that Jesus is king, that God is Lord, and you desire for him to be your master and you no longer want to be Lord of your own life, then I encourage you, I plead with you. Jonah didn't plead, but I plead with you to call upon him. And the Bible says, for all who call upon him shall be saved. So right where you are, in your own way, you can call upon him and he will save you. For those who are online, you can call upon him and he will save you. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you for ministering to us through your word and through worship. In Jesus' name. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.